Hey guys, it's Ellen Olson Brown with the Sun in My Face podcast, and I am very excited today for you to hear the first shiny person interview. Um, it's an interview with my friend Louise Giordani, and I'm not going to give you a lot of preparatory information uh, except to say that you might remember that a couple of days ago I was feeling really uh, like vulnerable about doing this new thing, like kind of second guessing, is this a good idea? Am I doing a good job with it? Is it something people are even going to be interested in? And then I recorded the interview and then today I listened to it and I have to say I loved it. Um, I've gotten very used to hearing my own voice. So, you know, that used to drive me nuts. But now I'm just like, oh, that's what I sound like. Um, So, you know, I didn't have that stumbling block to get over. But I just thought it was such a great conversation. And I hope that uh, you are as interested to hear what Louise has to offer as I was. Um, It's funny to listen to something where you were there when it happened and you still find yourself laughing out loud and uh, nodding along like, yeah, yeah, excellent point. So um, I will jump in at the end to uh, give you a couple of suggestions for ways you might learn more about Louise, connect with her if you so desire. Um, But for now, let's go ahead and hear the interview. To start recording just because um, otherwise I'll forget. Okay. Okay. Yep. I want to make sure I don't forget. Okay, I have to tell you, I feel a little awkward about starting this just because I've never done it before. This so way, better to start with. I know. I think that's pretty good. So yeah. um, maybe we'll just let that be the start. That's that, great. That I feel a little bit awkward about doing this thing I've never done before. But part of what I try to do with this podcast anyway is just kind of show up and see what happens and treat it as like a practice. So same thing here. You show up and we see what happens. So this is the first episode of um, the Sun in My Face interview series. And my idea is to interview people who are remarkable in kind of an everyday way. So, you know, we all listen to so many, well, I do, I listen to so many podcasts and most of them are interviews with people who are like, famous for something, which is wonderful. Like it's really interesting to hear an interview with Bill Gates, you know, or Tom Brady or, you know, any of Brene Brown's amazing. It's amazing to hear Michelle Obama or, you know, anybody who like you really feel like, wow, they've done these amazing things in the world. And I'm inspired by those interviews, but sometimes I feel like, you know what I would really like to hear on a day when like, I'm feeling a little bit like discouraged or just, you know, like I'd like to hear from somebody who I admire in some way, who's living a life that's more similar to mine. You know, kind of like a, not that they're not a tremendous person who deserves to be making $3 million a day, but, um, but just, you know, somebody who I feel like their life lessons are a little bit more accessible to mine. Like the other day, one of the, one of the podcasts I like to listen to is the Tim Ferriss podcast. Cause they're just long and interesting. But I remember recently an episode kind of appeared in my feed and it was like, 
multi-billionaire founder of Bitcoin, like, and I just felt like, well, it might be interesting, but like, what do I have to learn from that at this point in my life? So, uh, so here we are. And my idea over the long term is that people who listen to this podcast will nominate people in their lives who are the kinds of people who uh, are normal, you know, like people you'd see at the grocery store and not like necessarily pick out of the crowd. I mean, Louise, you for your gorgeousness, absolutely. And you'd probably be doing a guillotine pose and I would pick you out for that too. But, um, but like, so the idea is to eventually have people nominate people in their lives who are the kinds of people who, when they walk into the room or, uh, you know, you see them in a certain context, you're kind of like, oh, I'm so glad that person is here or someone you tend to turn to for advice um, or as a role model. And since this is the first episode, I get to pick somebody. So I have picked you. Hi, Louise. Hi, Ellen. Thanks so much for picking me. You are so welcome. So now I'm going to talk for a little bit more and just say uh, why I wanted to interview you and have the world hear a little bit more about um, just how you approach your life and what your days are like and what inspires you and so on and so forth. So um, I met Louise almost 13 years ago when she and her partner bought the yoga studio that I was a new student at. I know, isn't that amazing? And um, I'm not going to lie to you. And I also know this is not, I'm not the only person who would say this, but uh, I was afraid of Louise when I first met her. (laughs) And on, it was like a time in my life when Saturday morning was one of the only times I could go to yoga because I had two young kids at home. And on Saturday mornings, I would get out of my car and I would walk to the entrance to the yoga studio. And under my breath, I'd be saying, please, 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 please. Because I never knew whether the person teaching my class would be Louise's partner, Norm, who was a very, very good teacher, but uh, mellow and gentle, I would say, at least in the way that I perceived his teaching. or if Louise would be sitting behind the desk and I would know she would be teaching the class. And the reason I was afraid was because Louise would march into the room, get class started and um, demanded a lot of everybody. And at first I didn't really wanna give a lot. And I think I found that really intimidating. Like I was like, oh, please don't look at me. Please don't ask me to do anything. But I actually started to really look forward to Louise's classes because I had a better practice because I was asking more of myself because I felt like that was what she was modeling for me. So over time, uh, I found out she was not scary at all. And uh, she, in addition to being a teacher, became a mentor as I became a teacher. Uh, And then over time has become a friend. And a lot of people who are part of the same yoga community that I'm a part of, I think have a similar reaction to you, Louise, which is huge respect, like just a sense of, I feel like if I show up in the same room as you, I want to be my like best, most honest, um, least making excuses for myself, uh, least BS self. 
And I feel like when you walk into a room, what I perceive is something very similar. Like you just, uh, you walk into a room or a conversation with this kind of secure presence that to me doesn't have the edge of ego that sometimes that kind of presence has with other people. And um, yeah, I just feel like I show up my most honest and true self when I am around you, whether I'm taking a class with you or whether we're just shooting the breeze. And um, I trust you profoundly. And that's huge to feel that way about somebody. And I know I'm not the only person in the world who feels that way about you. I know you're a person who people tend to uh, turn to for advice and um, support and strength. So I'm just going to let that kind of percolate through your mind a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to throw you off a little now. I decided I'm going to start by asking you a couple of uh, rapid fire kind of, oh, Louise is showing me an accordion. You can't see this because it's just, it's just audio, but we're doing this over Zoom. And she just showed me something. I don't know how she knew this would be very exciting, but it's an accordion like little booklet of paint chips. One of my favorite things in the world. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to ask about that. But first, I'm gonna let you like absorb all of that head swelling praise that I just gave you. And I'm gonna ask you two questions just to get us started. And the first one is, how do you feel about toast and how do you like to eat it? Can I answer that now? Yes, go ahead. Oh, okay. Toast. It's funny you bring it up. <laughs> I have really strong, I don't have strong feelings, but I'm having a really, um, act, I'm, toast is active in my life right now. Okay, it's really interesting because it's not something usually that I'd be interested in, but um, lately because of where I work in the office I work in, sometimes, you know, I have, I, um, I'm just ready for a snack and the snack that I'm eating right now and at, from the cafeteria is a bagel. And these days, you know, you have to prepare your own bagel. So it comes in a bag and I go, we have a nice little toaster oven in the office. And so now I go there every time I get a bagel and my goal is to absolutely make it perfect. Okay, so like how does that happen? Golden, golden, no black, no dark brown, golden, but there can really be very, very little white. Like it's 10% white and the rest is golden. So it has a crispy texture, but not so much that it'll scrape the roof of your mouth. Um, and then it's, they always have the perfect size amount of um, peanut butter or cream cheese. And immediately when my bagel is done, I show all of my coworkers what a good job I did. So, so when you say the perfect amount, is that like um, to spread it to the edges? Like do you cover up the golden with whatever yeah, your topic? I mean, pretty much. I try not to be too perfect about it so that some areas have more than others. But um, I really am quite proud of my achievement every time it comes out not burnt and not underdone. There is, there really is that sweet spot. Well, I'm going to push you a little further on this one. Do you think a bagel is toast? Is no. a toasted bagel toast? No. Okay, well, see, I, I told the people listening that you were honest and I trusted you and that's only been confirmed. How it's about not toast. I don't really eat toast. Really? Unless it's French toast and that's not toast. Okay. All right. Understood. I, I won't serve you toast. Okay. 
that's it. That's my feeling on toast. It, it just is. Well, that kind of actually good got to exactly where I was hoping it would. And I have one more question for you. Do you think Pluto should still be a planet? Hmm. I feel bad taking it away. I think it's not nice. We put it there. <laughs> it got used to being seen as a planet and then- I mean, I don't want to have to go re relearn that. <laughs> Do I think, um, I'm ambivalent on the topic, but it just seems like it's so big and so far away. I don't can't, know. Can't we just leave it's not it alone? An I kind of, I feel like what sleeping dogs lie. Okay. If it makes a move at us, then we should think about it again. <laughs> all right. Let's go back to um, all the nice words I said about you. And my first question is, how easy is it for you to own the idea that you've positive, positively affected so many other people? Like That's if I say, oh, you're a shiny person, it's not easy? No, well, it's not that it's not easy. It's just something that I don't need, can't even, I don't know. It's just not something I consider. I, I think that we all, I think that everybody has like really positive effects on other people. I think we just do. I mean, we're human beings. We touch, all of us touch everybody else, whether you want to or not. So I think we also have a, have a choice as to how we want to touch people. You know, and if you, if you want to have more negative impact on someone, you certainly can, but it only means that that impact, you'll end up with that too. It comes circle. I believe in the full circle. So I don't know, Ellen, I mean, own it, I guess. It's just not something that I feel like I have to own. That's a really good point. Do you feel like you recognize the person I described? Um, not so much. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I recognize the person that you described when you said, you know, people are like, might be scared when they meet me, which always shocked me. You know, when I would hear, I, I still hear it like, yeah, ooh, she, she's, you know, when I first met you, I was so intimidated and, and that type of thing. And that was, that's really not what I expect at all. Mm -hmm. How about if I said that, like, I know multiple people who, when they've been going through intense times in their life, they specifically seek out your classes and they want to be there partially for how you teach a yoga class. I, I mean, in terms of like the actual postures that we do, but they also just want to be around you when they feel like they need a little extra um, strength in their life. Um, yeah, that one I get, people have told me that, students have, have said and, and told me, and I feel like it's confession when they tell me, but um, they have, you know, I've heard that and, and I'm not sure to what end. And I think the thing that surprises me is there's some people that tell me that that have known me for quite a long time. And so I attribute it to perhaps they know some of my personal life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, it's just because you know about me, but there are people who don't know anything. And I find, I can see that they're seeking me. I know that they're seeking this. They're mm -hmm. seeking this 
um, experience that they're getting. And, uh, and then I begin to, to realize it maybe, maybe have more teeth than I realized. Yeah. Teeth and sugar at the same time. Like what, so there's this really, there's this idea in, um, Buddhist psychology where, or Buddhist philosophy, where, um, there are certain places in our life that we get tripped up over. And one of them is wanting praise and not wanting blame, you know, and wanting good words said about us and not wanting criticism. And so part of the reason I'm asking this is just because I'm really, I mean, I think as I do these interviews, there's something that's a little bit awkward about publicly accepting praise, right? Yes. Sorry, are you, hearing, you, just, are you hearing kind of an echo on your end? I'm no. Oh, okay. That, that response that I made was, I was like, wait, wait, was I just about to hear a podcast on that? Oh, interesting. I was listening to, um, there's a new, well, I don't know if it's new, but there's an Alan Watts podcast now that's put together and curated by his son. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah really I, I can imagine that that's something that would be on there. And yeah, exactly. Sort of. And I was like, oh, that sounds so familiar now. So I guess because, because I know in a way I'm going to be putting people on the hot seat and saying like, you know, these are things that people, um, have admired about you. These are amazing things people have noticed. It can sometimes be uncomfortable, right? Like people, like, I think that societally we have, maybe especially as women, we sometimes feel like you're supposed to be like, oh no, 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 that couldn't be true. Or like, not really, not really. I really, I really am a terrible person underneath it all. So I'm just curious if you can say a few words about like your relationship to uh, praise and criticism. Interesting, because I think that I have been sort of trained to sort of shy away from anything like that and um, sort of downplay it, you know, and immediately want to tell someone something awful I did, like, well, <laughs> you should have seen what I did. It was awful. You know, I don't know, maybe like push, push that away, you know, but interestingly, you know, I was also trained to say, thank you, oh, thank you. And when I'm the most uncomfortable, I make sure that I say thank you. Mm -hmm. um, deep breath, thank you, and then have to process it later, even if it's something that I might not have wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. but thank you. And then think about it and think about what that just made me feel and why maybe it made me feel like tearing that person's tongue out, you know, or thinking that they're really wrong and then, you know, sort of have to do a little self-examination. So kind, kind of, I kind of turn it around Ellen that, you know, although it is uncomfortable to accept some type of praise or, or whatever, it also feels good to an extent, you know, to be able to, to say, you know, thank you. I'm glad that made a difference or, or thank you. And I could, you know, it works both, you know, thank you too, because this is how it works. But it's that, it's that other side of the thank you. Of now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to let it go to your head? Or are you going to process it and push it along? Mm -hmm. It actually, I think, is a gift that you're giving the other person to accept what they wanted to. I mean, it's one thing if somebody's like, 
I don't know. I mean, maybe just because this kind of praise doesn't really register with me so much, but like if somebody's like, I don't know, just trying to think of all the praise I've gotten this week, but you know, right. If it feels really superficial or just like, Oh my God, like there's a part of me, it's just like, fine, whatever. But sometimes if it really hits it, you know, or it it is how you want to come across in the world, or it is how you want to affect other people. uh, Like, absorbing your own discomfort and just saying thank you the same way that you would if you got criticism that felt you know maybe a little bit uncomfortable or um yeah it's an interesting dynamic and I think as I do these interviews I'm really interested to hear what people are going to say about that because it's uh it's a way I think you can it's a gift to absorb to accept the gift somebody else is giving you but it can be very uncomfortable. It can be, and and how rude to say no to someone that's offering you something. Right, right. You know? Yeah. If someone's offering you something, whether you want it or not, you usually accept. I mean, I think it's one of the things that we're taught about conduct, mm-hmm. you know, just personal conduct and interpersonal conduct. Although interestingly, I feel a reflexive, like, I feel like that when you said, oh no, now I have to tell you something terrible that I did this week. <laughs> like, I, I feel like there's something about the way that we're trained. And again, I'm going to say, I feel like this is especially female somehow that there's like a, a sense of like, I would be being too fat headed if I didn't say, oh no, 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 no. You know, like if, even if someone says like, right oh, I love your shirt. Oh, it was totally on sale and it's a hand-me-down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it can't be like, yeah, I bought a really good shirt, didn't I? It looks good on me. So yeah, right. interesting. And I, find, I find I vacillate between the two. Sometimes I'm like, yes, thank you. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, but it is a hand-me-down. Right. <laughs> like I would never, but I also found out that most things that I'm complimented on, if it's like some type of superficial thing that I have on, it's never anything that I picked out. It's usually oh. <laughs> from someone else. So there's that. Someone who knew that it would look good on you. Oh, I take all the hand-me-downs. Okay, so here's a good one that might cast you in your uh, darker side. What really annoys you about other people? Hmm. It's interesting. What annoys me about other people? It's hard. Okay, we can come back to it if you want. It's so hard. I mean, it's so general. Okay. What an, like what annoys me about? Like if someone kind of drives you crazy, what, what are they doing? No, they're usually doing something that I do that's stupid. <laughs> you know, so you're basically reflecting your like worst yes, quality. Yes, and I can't stand that. Then okay. I really have to go home and think. Okay, well, what? Oh, and that's the and honestly, that's the truth. Yeah, that's very insightful, and that's a very wise and insightful oh. response. <laughs> How are you going to deal with that praise? You're supposed to what just be say, more you. annoying. Thank what you. Be more annoying than seeing yourself being annoying. Exactly. 
What do you most love about being around other people? Fascinating. People are fascinating. I don't know. I think it's the fact that we're like all so much the same and yet all we do is find out what's different between us. Yeah. We're constantly, this is two things. One, we're constantly trying to like figure out where we fit in each other's lives, constantly playing, you know, dancing with it. And the, the other thing I think is fascinating about people is that in any story, in any situation, and in this podcast for anybody who listens, we're constantly trying to find a place where we, where we fit, where we fit in some way that we can um, feel a connection with someone else, something in common. Is there space for me in that conversation? Is there space for me in that picture? When I, when I see a photograph, who do I look for? I look for me, you know, and, and we're constantly trying to find ourselves in the world. That's fascinating. I yeah. love that. I love yeah. that we're always trying to, to be there and like, just figure out, figure out where we are in the world and, and who gets us and where we are in our, you know, right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I got off topic. No, I think that's, I think that's a great one. I know sometimes I would just love to be a fly in every room. Like I love that fascinating piece of other people. And sometimes if I can especially take myself out of the equation, right. And it's, yeah. And it goes, I have to say that in the beginning, you know, when you were talking about who you would interview and, you know, and also like the podcast that you like to listen to and, um, and I, you know, I do the same thing. Um, and right now we are, we have a, um, a great deal of material to pick from. Everybody is talking right now, making podcasts, you know, talking and interviewing each other. And there's a lot of conversation and there's a lot of opportunity that we never had before to hear, to hear people who are leaders in the country and leaders, social leaders and prominent people and popular people and to be able to hear their stories. Why do we listen to them? Yeah. They're really, except for perhaps their bank account and maybe some degrees and whatnot. You know, I'm not saying, but I'm saying we, we everybody has an interesting story. Right. No, I think that's totally true. Yeah. And it's, I think too, when you said, you know, it's just someone you can relate to a little bit more. Like yeah. we run around in the same, same areas. Right. Or it's easy sometimes to be like, well, that's easy for you to say, you know what I mean? In like, right. what I'm imagining is your, uh, you know, somebody made you your breakfast this morning or, you know, you're not, sometimes I get the sense, even though I, I think when you listen, you find out it's not a hundred percent true that these people have everything figured out. No. Right. So, well, I mean, you know, you could be Prince Harry and suddenly have a C-level position. Yeah. Went from <laughs> no job to executive. Very true. Louise, what do you think your kindergarten self would recognize in you now? Oh my God. It's everything. <laughs> I'm not sure how much anything has changed. Kindergarten self, interesting. 
Um, I think there's so many similarities. I mean, you know, at a certain point you are who you are. Certainly not the age I went to kindergarten, you know, it wasn't a hard set then, but you know, you're well on your path. What would they, what would it recognize? Um, a little bit of that, uh, next adventure, like running off on the adventure and then probably following, you know, what's that old saying? Ass over tea kettle, you know, and just like, just diving in and just being really excited for it, but not wanting too many people to look this way. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of that's sort of that same, you know, can't wait for the next thing. Can't wait to go out there in the world and see what's going on and run around in it. And, uh, and then on to the next. Awesome. Would your uh, kindergarten self have been aware of the importance of a perfectly toasted bagel? Yeah, because I probably had those every day. <laughs> I think I had waffles every day at that point in my life. But perfectly toasted and, and with butter in every if little well. things weren't just so, you know. Yeah. Princess, princess wasn't impressed. <laughs> um, what do you think you do in your life right now that helps you show up in a way that makes you um, so important to so many people? Are we talking about today sort of in this, in this life we're living right now? Because it yeah, is different yeah. it was a year ago. That's really interesting. Well, actually, why don't you say both? Like, why don't you say, like, what would you do to kind of um, keep yourself steady? Like if it was 16 months ago and we didn't even really think about what's going on right now and how has that changed? I think that would be a really interesting. Yeah. I'd really have to remember what it's like because I really try to, I mean, right now, what keeps me steady, what keeps me a little bit on the same mm -hmm. side. Uh, there are some things, some routine that some routines that help. And I guess in retrospect, Ellen, this is what's helped me all along for a long time. Um, I'd say in my, my current iteration of my life since like 2000 or so, um, is having a, a regularly, well, no, before that it's always been, um, when my sort of exercise takes place, when I, when I move my body and early on, you know, being an adult, I started running and those were in the days when you, you know, people would just run in the summertime and because we didn't have like Cortex and everything else or whatever people wear. And uh, we had wool and leather. We did. <laughs> wool and leather and, you know, sweatpants that were made of cotton. So you wouldn't mm -hmm. run in the winter in them because they would freeze. Um, but uh, I started, I started that. And so I, I realized early on that like running first thing in the morning was exactly what I needed to get my day going. And it was always about my physical locomotion. And that's when I did my best thinking, you know, my best meditation, I guess. I didn't know it at the time. And so, you know, sort of later as I worked my way out of running into yoga, it became the same thing. Like what time is yoga class and sort of having that schedule around it. Like, when am I going to do that? Um, you know, whether it was first thing in the morning, which was the preference or, um, you know, uh, uh, settling it around when work ended, you know, um, we work, we lived down in Portsmouth near the Naval shipyard. And at 3.30, the whistle blew. Like literally the whistle blew and the workers could, the shift was over. And you hear that whistle going, you're like, quitting time, time to walk the dog, time to get back the yoga bags. 
but it's that it's that like it seems to be the basis that everything else goes around and then no matter what else happens and i like it that way everything else happens the way it does and i i love that things just sort of fall into place so what's kept me together now is sort of maintaining that maintaining that in three days a week at 6 a.m you know getting up and joining the crew and having a a group practice has has really helped me to be more stable um and on the days that i don't have the yoga class with the group i do something else you know but my schedule and what keeps me sane is having that group to show up with for yoga whether it's you know the bikram style a4 yin whatever it is and remarkably to show up to teach Yeah. The showing up to teach and before COVID the same that showing up to teach during the most challenging parts of my life were actually even better for me mentally than the practice mm -hmm. in teaching. I had to connect with the room. I had to pay attention to the students. I had to connect. In the practice, it wasn't vital. In the practice, I was able to let my mind play its games, but not when I taught. And same now, same during COVID. Even though it's Zoom or has now turned into being in the class, it's that connection. So, I'm really interested in this. So when you, when you have been going through something that's been super challenging and you show up to teach, do you feel like the shift that happens, it's something different than just being distracted? It's the opposite. Yeah. It's so zoned in. Mm-hmm. Well, in some ways that brings us full circle because I think that in a way that's that being fully zoned in is part of the gift that you give with your teaching. And it's part of why I think sometimes people can have that reaction at first of being a little scared and intimidated because you're so connected that there's nowhere to hide. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like you see things and perceive things. And I've never heard you say anything, you know, mean or like dismissive or anything. I mean, sometimes in a joking way, but like, but do you know what I mean? I think it's just that sense of being seen. I think that's part of the gift that you really give people that you, when you are, I mean, I'm not sure it's like this in all, all contexts and all of your relationships, but there's a sense of like um, being 100% there seeing people with what feel has always felt to me like clarity, not being afraid to say what you see. Um, and I think that feeling of being authentically seen by somebody who really wants the best for you is, it's more rare than I wish it was, you know? Um, and what you're kind of saying is that when you, are the person who's showing up to kind of give in that way. Like when you're the teacher, you're, you are kind of responsible for the room, 
um, it ends up being a place that I think your body and your mind, and if there's a soul, your soul is really happy to be. Like it feels, um, I don't know, some of the other stuff kind of falls away, you know, it, when, when you're in that place. And, and I think it's something that you do beautifully for yourself and for the people around you. So yeah, it will. Yes, it definitely is. Okay. I just want to end with two lighthearted questions since we, you know, got kind of deep. All right. (laughs) And then I will let you go. Louise and I actually have kind of a tradition of having, um, conversations that are hours and hours long. So we won't subject you to that today. So uh, here's a question. Are you good at building fires? Oh God. Um, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. I'm really good at making a charcoal fire for my Weber. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really good at it. That's not an insignificant skill. It's not insignificant. I kill it. Okay. Then the other, mm, yeah, when I make a fire, I make a good fire. Not a great fire maker, but I am a good fire maker. Okay. All right. Good to know. We can. Yeah. Why are we going to have a bonfire sometimes? I I mean, at some point, I think we probably will. I'm just, I'm looking for my um, survival crew and I'm trying to pick people who have very specific skills. A fire pit in my yard is on my list. Okay. Well, you might want to, you know, work on some of that, maybe get a coach for the summer. I think I will. Okay. Um, how much would I have to pay you to take a hamster for a walk on a leash? Not much. <laughs> I consider it an honor. Do you have the leash or do I have to make one? Oh, um, I think I would, I would feel obligated to provide you with the leash because probably the hamster would also have to have a harness. Like, I feel like if a hamster had just a collar, it would just slip right out of it. Um, sure. Do I have to pick up its poop? Oh my gosh. Wow. I hadn't thought this one through. I have to say, this is a question I found online and um, uh-huh. I just thought it was like, I immediately pictured you walking very slowly as a little hamster walk next to you. And I'm glad I wouldn't have to pay you a lot. I, I no. would like to see that. It would make a great TikTok video. I think. Oh, I would walk a hamster in a heartbeat. No problem. Um, now I have a question for you. Yes. Do you want to know what this is? I do. I want to know why this can, this can be our final question. Why do you have a book of paint chips? What's going on? I always do. I usually have some, I have another one. I have that Benjamin Moore color wheel, you know, mm-hmm. that big one that like fans open. Yeah. I got it from Kevin Gagnon. Do you oh, remember him? Yeah. Yeah. Our student in Nashua. And when we were going to pick out new paint colors, I, I was like, oh, and I said something about that, St- you know, the stack. Yeah. And he was like, well, if you want it, I'll let you have it. And I was like, what? That's very, because we've you. gotten it from the hardware store, but we usually have to leave a deposit for it. Yeah. They always want it back, but he, he gave it to me, probably looking for some type of favors in the yoga room, which, you know, that doesn't happen. No, no, no. You're going to see him clearly and tell him all about what you saw. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you your favor. <laughs> stand up straight (laughs) again um this is the this is the the book the paint book for pharaoh and ball and um and i love their colors but they're completely you know completely different i always have them 
something sitting right here that I, you know, and so it's right. Just there. ready to go. It's always ready to go. It's one of my favorite things is looking at, at colors. And I'm always picking something out new and I painted my hallway oval room blue. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. The room that I'm sitting in right now is, um, I think it's called Bunny Gray. And it's Jeez. from like a, a booklet that was like kids room colors. And I was like, oh, that's so wonderful. And then we painted it this color. And then I was like, I think this is the same color as the back hallway that leads into this room. And I was like, oh, it's like a, pur it looks gray, but it's like huh? a purpley bluish gray. And I was like, oh, it's the exact same color that we painted the back hallway, which is a slightly lighter version of the color of my room, which is a slightly darker version of what's in the bathroom. <laughs> so just no, you're the same colors. Yeah. yeah. So I, I might need to, to get some advice from you. Oh, so. so much fun. Love hey, Louise. Color. Yeah. We Thank done? you so much for doing this. Ellen, it's a pleasure to be your first guest, I'm sure, in a long list of illuminaries. I, I can't wait for people who know you to listen to this and also perhaps some people who don't know you yet. And um, yeah. You know me, forging new friendships all the time. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Ellen. It really was an honor. And thank you for having me um, edit out anything nasty. <laughs> okay. I'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I didn't edit that interview at all. And I like it that way. I really like just the realness of doing that. And another thing I like about not overworking things is that I would rather prioritize making something, getting it sent out there into the universe with the hopes that it will improve somebody's day, make somebody feel less lonely, make somebody feel a little bit inspired to have a slightly better day, uh, rather than agonize over editing and perfecting. I mean, there's a place for that. Absolutely. And who knows, maybe someday that's how I'll feel about it, but today it's not. So um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. If you would like to connect with Louise, here are a few ways you can do that. Uh, one, Louise is an amazing yoga and fitness instructor, and you can catch her classes at Hometown Sweat in Natick, Massachusetts, if you happen to live nearby. Uh, if you already practice what you might know as hot yoga, the 26 and 2, um, or what has sometimes been called the advanced practice um, or classic 84, and you'd like to practice online with Louise, she teaches three mornings a week, kind of an early class, um, but email me, ellen at ellenolsonbrown.com, that's Olson with two O's, and uh, I will connect you. So if that's something you're interested in, you would really have to, I think, already know the practice slightly. Um, that's That would really work best. And I know if you don't know what I'm talking about and it sounds like inside baseball, I apologize for that. But I do think that, um, yeah, so that's that. All right, finally, talk about not editing. Um, finally, Louise has a yoga and fitness clothing company that's called Everywhere Activewear. It's every W-E-A-R 
wearactivewear.com. And um, her leggings are always the ones that I wear a ton, 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 ton. And then I'm so sad when it's just time for them to go because, you know, I've worn them and washed them so many times. Uh, I think the fabric she uses is especially soft. Um, her clothing fits very well. I love the fabric she chooses. Her leggings are my favorite. And if you like like yoga short shorts, those are also awesome. She has some really uh, clever t-shirts and sweatshirts. So check it out, everywhereactivewear.com. And that is that. So uh, for the next 10 days, we have another nine days of recording uh, my regular podcast. And then on day, the next day 10, uh, which will be, it will be April 10th, I will be interviewing my next shiny person. So I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.